0: How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio for 10 Years, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and, of course, planet Earth. Remember, as well as a show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every single day with early updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me, as always, is our Tech Central Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson. And I suppose, speaking of keeping everybody up to date with everything that's been and happening and stuff like that we're, we're kind of taking a look back at 2018 And a look ahead to what we might expect from 2019 And there's a lot in there So we're going to fly through it Let me start off though, Niall, by asking you What do you think was the most important word
1: of 2018? The word of the year for mm. me After having sort of sat down and had a good think about this The word of the year for me is trust uh, Oh, that ties in with my word of the year Which is Privacy And I suppose this is all really kind of coming from uh, Facebook, really, isn't it? Uh, Facebook, Google, Twitter, uh, Instagram this week we're after discovering. Um, And uh, Facebook we're after discovering again this week. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, there's so much overlap between the two. And where you're looking, I imagine, at specific uh, instances, like, you know, we're looking at Facebook goes to Congress, Twitter goes to Congress, et cetera, et cetera, Mm. and GDPR and Cambridge Analytica. I'm looking at it from the perspective of if any tech company sets up today, any tech company Mm. in any space, really, one of the first things that people are going to think is, what are you doing with my data? Yes. You know, a priori, people are worried, can I trust this company?
0: Well, I think that's the good thing about uh, that we've had in 2018, that people are starting to uh, look at that from figures that are coming out from Facebook after the whole fallout and stuff like that is they've had um, I, I I seem to think that people are being a lot more cautious on Facebook. Have you noticed
1: that? Well, cautious about what? I mean, we've we've always cautious talked about out. who they're
0: friends with and who they'll connect with or who they'll accept friend requests from. Uh, about what they'll say, about what they'll post, about what pictures they allow. I think they're just being generally cautious, and it's kind of like Facebook is still a great tool for keeping in touch with friends and family, uh,
1: but they are careful about who else sees it. No. I, I actually disagree with you really? on that. Really? I think that level of overshare is still with us, but I think it has migrated to other platforms like WhatsApp and Instagram and Snapchat. That willingness to share absolutely everything about your life, it has moved on to other platforms, albeit with slightly more closed networks. Mm. Uh, YouTube is still massive for overshare. Um, if you, if you look at people that are now, you know, considered influencers or, or creators, they, they say on YouTube, um, they're having massive problems with privacy because people actually try track them down uh, to their houses. I mean, that's that's absolutely massive. But I think we're finding that people are sharing less on Facebook because it's getting a slightly older demographic. But that will to overshare is still there. And this week, we're after finding out that Facebook has actually been sharing information or actually sharing in general people's messages that they've been using on Facebook Messenger. Well, kill surprise. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they've been sharing this stuff with Netflix, with Spotify you know, I mean, this is big brand stuff. This is trouble.
0: And this is something that Facebook are constantly denying because they say, well, you know, kind of our business is a social network and we enable people to connect with each other, but we don't actually have any responsibility over what they actually say.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> always been the platform, the uh, <laughs> publisher debate, which actually Facebook stepped away from this year. And uh, when they went in front of Congress, Mark Zuckerberg said, you mm. know what, Maybe, maybe regulation would be a good idea for us because, you know, Maybe we need it, no, which, which just means, yes, we need it. Please save us from ourselves. Uh,
0: do, you th- do you think we had one of the highlights of the year when Mark Zuckerberg was uh, taking questions and one
1: question in particular into Congress? Uh, yes. How do you make money? <laughs> That's exactly that my the favorite one I was moment. thinking of. <laughs> How do you make What kind of moron goes into a, a hearing like that? One of the most important hearings of the year if not the most important without having done that basic basic level of homework. you see that well there was another one uh,
0: of course we've had the the uh, Google have been in front of Congress uh, in the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah. And uh, I loved one of the questions was why is it when I type Donald Trump into Google that I get a pay, or why is it why, why is it when I type the word idiot into Google, I get a picture of Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or uh, another member of the, co- the committee said, uh, you know, if I type in my colleague's name here, all this negative stuff comes up. And, uh, you know, it wasn't even a response from Google. It was like one of the other um, uh, members of the panel said, you know what? If you do good things, you will be praised for them. If you do bad things, you'll be criticised for them. That's the way it works. <laughs>
0: The other one that made me giggle was uh, somebody was giving out about their daughter did such and such, blah, 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 and something else popped up on the screen. And he's saying to the head of Google, how is she able to see that on her iPhone? And he's he's, (laughs) he's looking uh, at iPhones made by another company. Anyway, uh, I suppose, yeah, Facebook was was one of the big stories of the year. The other big story of the year, uh, I think, was GDPR. Do you think like the millennium bug, it was overhyped?
1: Well, a lot of companies seem to think so. Uh, There have been a couple of surveys coming out in the last few months uh, um, asking, you know, business people, do you feel that, A, you're adequately protected um, or B, that, you know, you, you put in place kind of, um, how would you say, appropriate measures. And in the same way that companies think they're above average driver, people think they're above average drivers, companies seem to think they're pretty much above average when it comes to GDPR preparation. Um, Some companies think, you know what, hasn't affected our business whatsoever. Uh, A lot of companies put their GDPR bill somewhere, I mean, that's a massive range, but between 50,000 and 250,000 euro. If you admit that you've spent 250,000 euro on GDPR, you're not going to say, we're not prepared for it. Mm. <laughs> you know, you're immediately just going to kind of say, okay, we obviously paid this much for it. We're obviously covered. And um, I think we're not going to know anything about GDPR until the first big fines come down. There was one, uh, one fine in Germany, but I can't remember the exact details offhand. Uh, I mean, you're, what is it? 4% of turnover up to a maximum of 20 million euro. Now, that's a lot of money for some companies, but, the likes of Facebook, Google, they no, might go... I, I no, really?
0: I think it's 4% of turnover and uh, I don't think it's 20 million. It, it might be 20 billion. No, I, no, I, no, I, it's 20 million. And that's it. That's it.
1: That's yes. the maximum.
0: Okay. Well, some people are scared of it because I thing I came across uh, about two months ago and I was surprised. Uh, for some reason, I, I was following a link to the Los Angeles Times. Right. And they have just blocked access to their website from anybody from Europe.
1: Yeah, I rather than Couple get involved
0: in GDPR, there's quite a number of sites in the in the states that
1: are like that. They just go, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, they maybe maybe well yeah, sorry with a with a hint of we need to figure this out I,
0: I, I think they're just scared of that massive fine and they're just kind of going oh, yeah. right. We're not taking any chances, and you know we're not making any money out of people from Europe, so go screw you.
1: Uh, well, probably an element of that. All right. Yeah. But I think people will, you know, when they realize that they're largely GDPR compliant mm. as it is, uh, I think a lot of companies, especially small companies with very small databases, were um, sort of realize that well, actually we're OK. You know, I mean, this stuff is important. Uh, make no mistake about it. But our efforts aren't going to be necessarily as onerous as other mm. companies.
0: I am, uh, I am one that always stands up and applauds a lot of things that the EU do because I think they, you know, they're a really big body and they do a lot of things to look after the average consumer and, you know, mm. kind of this data protection being, uh, one of them. But do you think that all this GDPR lock has improved our lives by, uh, uh, with endless pop-ups saying click okay here to accept cookies?
1: Yeah, well, it has impacted on the user <laughs> experience of the internet somewhat. But you know what? I mean, if it's that and the difference between tracked without my knowledge, I'll I'll take a, an extra click on a website any God, day of the week. Nuts.
0: Listen, uh, away from international stories, let's look at uh, what's happening here more locally. Um, Twitter and Google have put out their annual results. About uh, what Irish people have been talking about online and what we've been searching for online. Uh, and I suppose really no surprise to see that the uh, uh, biggest thing is the referendum.
1: Referendum was up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. referendum, uh, presidential election, slightly less. Um, I mean, if, if you look at sort of the Twitter list... Uh, there, there, you, there were some wonderful things like storm emma and mm-hmm. the beast from the east do you remember when the country shut down because we had snow unbelievable yes yes yeah, I, I, my, I, I, my favorite moment was the tv3 morning show reduced to doing mm-hmm. sausages and french toast in their cookery slot just because they had nothing else <laughs> and everybody was trapped
0: i i think i enjoyed the first day of all the brennan's bread jokes but the fourth day of brennan's bread jokes was just like you know well, yes. <laughs> A little yes. bit too much, as, as it happens. Uh, referendum, yeah, the snow were the top talking points uh, locally. I was surprised to see that uh, people on Twitter and doing uh, searches on Google uh, that the royal wedding in the UK was, like,
1: the top result. Yeah, it was well up there. Well, But I guess, you know, in Ireland we still have this fascination with the royal family. Maybe it's because we still get, you know, we get the glossies and... There's a, an element of soap opera. Do you think it's a, a
0: fascination with the royal family per se, or is it that there are kind of our local Kardashians?
1: Ooh, that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, possibly. I I remember in the eighties when Charles and Diana were getting married. That was a huge cultural moment. Oh, and yeah. and why over here? But I don't know people seem to think it was fantastic.
0: Well, why not? Is, is what I'd say. Like, you know, kind of, uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Harry getting married to Rachel. Well, she'll always be Rachel May- to me. Yeah. She'll always be Rachel to yeah. me. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and of course we had uh, I mean the other than things we had Brexit and and Trump and World Cup and all that kind of stuff uh, in there. Well, as we we well.
1: also had Russia in there as well. With we Russia in there
0: as well. Well, Russia just wants to be everywhere, doesn't it at the, at the moment. What about Did um all. I want to stay away from sport because I know nothing about it. Um okay. music wise though, uh, we've had some interesting results on Twitter and Google as well. Um and what kind of struck me as unusual was the amount of people talking about K-pop. Yeah. Do you remember um, Gangnam
1: Style? Yeah. Like- well, the interesting thing about K-pop, hmm. um, you might not know this. I'm sure why would you? But K-pop was actually government subsidised. It was. Yeah, it wasn't is. It's basically what happened in South Korea was um the government looked around and said, okay, what well, what have we got? What can we work with here that will bring people over as as tourists? What can we monetize uh in our culture? That's that's interesting and different. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went, well, our music is kind of quirky, so let's let's throw in a little bit behind that. And that's where the K-pop phenomenon has sort of uh, has had its genesis. Um, by getting a, a little bit of a helping hand from government.
0: Well, I was chatting to a guy from, I think it was Finland or, or Sweden, one of the Nordic countries. Uh, mm. and they had just won the Eurovision at the time. Laureen was the singer. Uh, and, um, I can't remember the name of the song. Euphoria. Euphoria. That's what it was. And, and I said, wow, it's great to have somebody from this side of Europe instead of Eastern Europe winning the Eurovision. And he went, yeah, well, basically somebody in government went, let's win this thing this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He said and they threw a load of money at it and, and that, was, that was the result. So maybe there's something in that. Uh, K-pop, Eurovision, of course, uh, a lot of people talk about on Twitter as they do every year. Same on uh, Google, people searching uh, Eurovision. I was kind of hmm, happy and then sad to see that Avicii was a big um, search on Google as well. He passed away this year. Yeah, uh, also Dolores O'Riordan. And Dolores yeah. O'Riordan passed away as well this year. Yeah, well. So lots of people looking them up as well. And then on TV... Um, that's what Love Island. Well, of course. Uh, I know.
1: I, 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 I. That bypassed me completely, and I have no problems with that whatsoever.
0: Not what I the guess. TV show did,
1: yeah, but uh, people are
0: talking about it. It's like, I remember when X Factor, a couple of years ago, I used to kind of follow the comments on Twitter, but you can't because the screen refreshes like every second and there's another hundred comments. You just cannot keep up with it. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. The one, one uh, side of Irish society that is using Twitter, and I do quite like it and I use it quite a lot, is the uh, late night
1: uh, talk shows. I know. And what's interesting is that there... The sort of the the Clareburn Live and the, what is it, Tonight Show on Mm, TV3. TV3, yeah. They feature very highly because I think there's a very active, small community around these shows that constantly comment. Mm. I don't know how much interaction is actually there and how much is people just pontificating about what what has been talked about. I mean, I used to follow um, Vincent Brown very closely uh, years ago and i'd see people commenting on it and it was always the same people and they were they weren't interesting engaging whatsoever they, they just wanted to go ah oh, mm. this person clearly doesn't know what they do what they're on about for me i don't know I, I there's probably a reason why i don't watch these shows anymore i, I, I think their value is sort of oh no I like them
0: I like them there's nothing there's nothing like seeing uh, people who should know better saying things that they shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it yeah it's, it's, it's very entertaining anyway that's a that's as Twitter and Google and their usual uh, kind of stuff and we had good news actually this year because in November we were talking to Cassandra and Rayleigh and if you want to listen back uh, to the po- I'll grab the date now for you in a second uh, but it was the Irish Film Archive they're, they're digitising the entire archive and they were entering a big competition tell us more on what happened
1: yeah, it was the Digital Preservation Awards. They were in sort of the public service category. They were up against the Houses of Parliament and the White House. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they won. They Yay! Beat them all out. A wonderful Irish success story. So uh, that's brilliant. And what's really interesting about what they're doing over there is that it's not just films. They they want anything and everything they can get their hands on. Grand. It could be home movies. It could be advertisements. It could be absolutely anything. They want it. They want to digitise it. They want a comprehensive history mm. of Ireland on film. And they're getting it. So that's fantastic news. If you
0: want to look that up, uh It's on our website. It's the programme from the 23rd of November. We were talking to uh, Cassandra and Radian from the Irish Film Archive. And then, of course, (laughs) uh, yes, I smile. Uh, the, The National Broadband Plan. Do you remember? Do you remember? I I, I mentioned Gangnam Style just a a few moments ago, right? That song seems like it was a decade ago, doesn't it? It's like ancient history, all right? When that song was in the charts, that's when the Minister of Communications first published the National Broadband Plan. Oh, wow. And here we are, all right? (laughs) There are so few bids left that you could buy dinner for two. Well, or one. Well, don't forget. It's it's kind of Dennis Norton and David McCourt and the, and the whole scandal around that and stuff like that, which seems to be kind of uh, uh, sorting itself out. Uh, the government saying that they should have a decision by early 2019. But do you know, what if they do get a decision by 2019, and they are working on it by 2020, they will actually have kept somewhat with their deadline, which was to, to have it in place by 2020.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But uh, I remember when this was being talked about initially, this is when I went to Cavan to meet with Syro. Do you remember that?
0: I do. And I still, to this day, think it is the most fantastic uh, way of doing things because every single home in the country practically has got electricity wires going into it. Yeah. Pipe in your broadband, off you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I, I think... If cost wasn't an issue, but apparently it is, um, that's the way to go. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, But, you know, the process stalled for so long that Air just went, do you know what, we're not hanging about here. There's roughly 500,000 odd people to be serviced. Mm. 300,000 we reckon we can do with our current technology. Mm. Swoop. (laughs) So now you've really got people that are in hard to reach areas. So it's going to be very challenging. But... I guess that has a knock-on effect to the technology you're most excited about for the coming year, and that is five G.
0: One of us is excited about it. <laughs> okay, I thought I thought you were all up in this. <laughs> well, I met uh, Martin uh, Perinet, uh, who's with uh, Monaco Telecom, when they did one of the world's first five uh, G uh, launches. That uh, that programme was on October nineteenth. Um, and, you know, it sounds fantastic in many ways in that the internet, you will have strong signal everywhere you go and you will have unbelievably fast uh, data rates. Well, in today's uh, meaning, it'll be four times or 10 times faster than, uh, than 4G. You're talking like 15 gigabytes a second or something like that. Mm-hmm. Silly. But... Nothing has happened this year and it's only going to start rolling out next year. And I don't think that we're going to see the benefit of it really for maybe five years.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we've got five operators with 5G licences at the moment. Mm. Vodafone did their test there a couple of months ago, and yeah. in Silicon Docks yeah. with a holographic phone call. Um, however, uh, upcoming in 2019 is the auction for the mobile 5G uh, spectrum. Which I think is what the government is probably secretly going, do you know what, these hard to reach areas, let's, let's think wireless with this. And
0: use that as kind of a, a bit of the National Broadband Plan stroke yeah. 5G, you think it'll all melt in together. All that, right, okay. That's what I'd do. Maybe. The only thing I like about it, the way it was explained to me is that, you know, for 5G really to work... It depends. on, And here's where it may may just die on on the rural side of things is that you need lots and lots and lots of repeaters. And in my head, it's something along the lines of your phone will be able to connect to the nearest Wi-Fi router and use that for you for your telecommunications. Mm -hmm. Or it's something along those lines or every single street will have its own antenna. It needs to be that close for for it to work.
1: I see. Right. I didn't know the infrastructure yeah, was well, that this, this, of this, The
0: infrastructure is, it's all like really, it's hyper, hyper local kind of stuff like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even though you don't need huge antennas or probably hung off the side of a building or it's a small box or that, uh, do you know what I mean? But still, like it's, imagine, imagine even with small little, you know, kind of uh, uh, radio sized handsets or whatever and just sticking one on a windowsill and making sure every single street in just Dublin had one of those. That's a big job in itself.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I I believe that that is how 5G works. It needs so many of those small little local repeaters and stuff like that. And and that's how
1: it'll get the speeds. Right. Okay. So, well, maybe maybe mobile five G is going to be a bit. Uh,
0: it's going to be it's going to be a while, all right. And everybody's like hmm. hyping about it going to be fantastic, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and all that kind of stuff, right? And I'm not I'm not excited about it because of the infrastructure that has to be put into place. And then the other thing is that at the moment it seems to be like kind of you know, hey, it'll be faster. You know, yeah. we're going through years of like iPhones and Samsung updates, and and all the All they say is, hey, it's faster or it's bigger. Or it's got
1: more colours. Nobody really uh, cares.
0: Um, Whereas, do you know where I am kind of a little bit excited? And this is one of the things they are talking about 5G is they're saying that it will really bring to life the whole Internet of things. Mm. And because it is so reliable, uh, it will be able to guide autonomous cars and all kinds of robots and drones and goodness knows what else. OK, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. Well, that's a real life-changing thing. So I think kind of what we're seeing is maybe just the start of the future happening mm. at some stage next year.
1: Well, I like the idea of a, a band uh, of Spectrum just being separate from mm. consumer telecommunications. Uh, I like that um, because I, I'd hate to think that, you know, if my photophone or my three or what have you went down that that would be it that would be the city grinding to a standstill i like the idea there of just being 5g for industrial purposes i think that's uh quite attractive
0: yeah. we'll, wait, we'll wait and see uh what happens with it and i think uh, what's going to be interesting next year as as we're looking ahead now to 2019 uh is i think we're going to see the first phones launched maybe at ces uh certainly a mobile world uh congress
1: yeah, well, CES is only a couple of weeks away, so well, exactly, you
0: like you know, so uh, so I think that'll be interesting to see what they uh, bring out with that. And the other thing that I think is going to be interesting next year
1: is uh, blockchain. Okay, right. Why why do you think blockchain is going to be interesting then, as opposed to now? Because I think
0: it's only kind of starting to gain acceptance, if you like. All right, we've had the. Okay. It's kind of like the internet is reaching a certain amount of maturity now. We went through the dot com bubble, whatever it was, fifteen or twenty years ago. All right, mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin had their own bubble, which was this time last year, where they were valuing a Bitcoin at like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, whereas, Bitcoin
1: has really imploded this year. Oh
0: no, but it, it was always it was worth around. Three, four thousand, or whatever. And then it just went bam. Everybody just got on the bandwagon for like six months and then it Mm. imploded and it's back down at the three, four thousand dollar mark again. Mm. Um, But I think it's interesting because blockchain seems to have convinced a lot of people that it is a very good system for securing data. Because it's mm. decentralized, the encryption is amazing on it. They say it's almost impossible to hack. But sure, we wait and see. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of people like Harvard Business Review said that a, a blockchain is going to be to banks what internet was to media. And that was a huge shift, like, you know, and Harvard Mm. are talking about it. Uh, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America and the States are working with blockchain here in Ireland. Bank of Ireland, Deloitte are both working with uh, blockchain. Um, Porsche are even working with blockchain for uh, customer data. And you know who else likes it is Frank Abagnale. Do you remember Frank Abagnale? No. Catch me if you can. Ah, yes. okay. And he's working for the FBI or whatever. It does. He's into finance and fraud and all that kind of stuff. He thinks it's a great system as well. So they're kind of working through their thing with standards and integration with existing systems and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I think it's going to be a very interesting 2019 for, uh, for blockchain. And you, you can find out more about that because I was looking back through programs we did during the year in May. On the 11th of May, we uh, were chatting to Oracle's uh, Ranjan Krishman. Krishnan pardon me and you can hear that programme from the 11th of May on our website um, one or two other things do you know what I think is going to be big next year what uh, Google Home Alexa all of those uh, voice assistants and oh. artificial intelligence in general
1: I have met Alexa we're having a great time together I went and I got myself an Echo a uh, second generation Echo and it's set up in the uh, in, in my humble abode and uh, it's it's very good. You're The loving it. Um, detection is accurate. Um, the things I ask it to do, it understands and does very well. And the sound off it is really good.
0: Which uh, Alexa did you get? Did you get one of the bigger ones or did you get I the... I got one the of the bigger ones. Oh, very nice. Very so, nice. And you're loving it. A friend of mine did that uh, as well who's in, um, where is he? He's in Madrid. Mm. And he said he'd seen them in the UK and then when they came out in Spain, he got one and brought it into work. and He said, and he showed everybody and they were all like, wow. And he said at least 20 people in the building went out and bought one
1: that week. Really? And it's such a contrast between when you try to show Google Assistant or Siri for the first time. You you had to make apologies for the thing, whereas Alexa just seems to work. I think it's back to,
0: I remember the first iPhone when I saw it. And I was like, wow, that, that is proper cool. Yeah. And I think maybe we're getting that with Google Home and stuff uh, uh, like that. Now, not with everybody because a friend of mine has it uh, set up in his in his home and he loves showing it off. He's like, okay, I, I shouldn't say it. You can't say those words anymore in case somebody's listening to the podcast and they've got one of these... <laughs> <laughs> things nearby, but they say them. He says the magic uh, wake word anyway. And, uh, and he says turn the lights down 50%. Oh, my wife goes absolutely nuts when he starts uh, messing around with that kind of lark. <laughs> but I think the more people see it, the more that they will like it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Now, um, AI. Oh, the, the other thing about uh, AI is that, um, they are doing, they've been doing special deals them in, in the run-up to Christmas. And I'm seeing all the smaller versions, like the smallest Google Home or the smallest Echo Dot or whatever happens, it's like €35. Euro. Mm. So, like, you know, I can see a lot of those things being put into Christmas stockings, including mine, uh, for Christmas. Mm. I'll wait and see. And uh, for anybody who's privacy conscious like I am, where you're kind of going, I don't want one of those damn things in my home. It'll be listening to every word. As somebody pointed out to me recently, your mobile phone has been doing that for the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> Some there's things up. you just have to make your peace with.
0: Well, this is it. Do you go with it or or do you fight it or whatever? And then the uh, other one that uh, is getting quite well, I think it's the Amazon Spot, which is the one with uh, a ca- uh, a little TV screen in it, a small little two and a half inch screen. But the problem is it's got a camera in it. So they're kind of going, that's the ideal bedside uh, clock, but it's got a camera in it. So there's no way that's going near my bedside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fair criticism. Yeah, that is a very fair criticism uh, indeed. Uh, what else have we got then on the uh, looking forward? Just one more thing for you, and that's uh, phones.
1: Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you have a a phone of the year? I I do.
0: Um. I don't do have a phone of the year. I have a phone of the year for next year. <laughs>
1: Okay, right. Well what do you think is gonna is gonna rock the house next year?
0: I think it's gonna be Samsung if they get around next year to showing off their foldable phone. And I don't think it'll necessarily be the foldable phone, but I just think it'll be the idea that you can do that.
1: Right, okay. So is this the same that you like that Lenovo laptop? With the touchscreen, the yoga, yeah, 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 yeah. is is it that sort of that you can do this kind of thing that has? I
0: think it is, and actually now when you say it, I'm not so a foldable phone. I'm kind of yeah, yeah. Um, What about if you had a folding laptop, like literally a 13 inch laptop, but when you open it up, it becomes a massive 26 inch tablet. There you go. Mm. Anyway, you're, you're I, a dreamer, Dusty. No, I'm not. I'm not dreaming, <laughs> but I'm just. I'm just thinking that uh, I think that is going to be interesting because a foldable phone is actually something new and well. Mm. Rather than oh, we've got a new designed notch, we've got a bigger screen. It's got the new process. It's like bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. foldable is certainly new and exciting, comparatively speaking, anyway. Um,
0: and I think I think I, I have my doubts, though, if Samsung are going to release it this year. I think we'll hear more about it, but I think it'll be 2020 before we uh, hear anything more about it. I think the S10 is going to come next year and that'll just be, you know, bigger screen. It's going to have in-screen fingerprint, probably bezel-free, more cameras. Uh, the big question I'm looking for on the uh, uh, S10 is whether it'll still include a headphone socket or not.
1: Uh, whether it'll just be wireless purely or USB 3 exactly
0: one or the other and and either one for me is just a disaster um, because there's just some things
1: that I like that are simple (laughs) and a headphone jack is one of them and a headphone
0: jack is one of them Uh, listen what's your phone of the year
1: my phone of the year, uh, a, a late appear appearance really. The Huawei uh, Mate Twenty Pro. This is the one with three three cameras in it. You might remember. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, uh, I think the camera in it is absolutely fantastic. I think all the other specs, you know, they're they're there thereabouts in comparison to the other flagship mm. phones out there. Um, but yeah, if you're into photography. Uh, or if you want to sort of try more with your pho- photography. Mm. Um, yeah, I think this is this is a good bet. Now, of course, it's a premium phone. It's it's up there in terms of price. But uh, if you've got 900 odd to spend on a smartphone, yeah, you you could do a lot worse.
0: Well, even if you only get the satisfaction of seeing somebody who's got the biggest Samsung or the biggest iPhone or whatever, and it's nearly out of juice and you go, hey, you could use my Huawei <laughs> to power yeah. that,
1: if you like. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's fantastic. All right. Listen to uh to wrap up then, what would you say? Uh let me see. I was going to ask you what your highlight of the year was and what your favorite gadget of the year was and what your biggest disappointment of the year was.
1: Um let me let me start with your favorite gadget of the year. Gadget of the year for me is the Oculus Go. Haha, ha, remember remember Oculus? I do. <laughs> um, I do. Now this of course was their uh sort of I guess, new gate a gateway device, uh, because, you know, Oculus worked with Samsung to do the um, to do that first generation uh, smartphone headset. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, there was the um, the Rift. Uh, and now we're moving it back a little bit. So we've got a, a self-contained um, display, self-contained everything. Uh, and you've got a hand controller. And it's great. It just sort of, get, it, it is that... That further step on. Now, of course, you know, you won't have the room sensors or anything like that, like in the HC Vive. Mm. But I think the more, uh, we're getting affordable VR devices into people's hands, the more we're going to see. Uh, one of the things that blew me away this year about VR was a short film called The Dinner Party. It's a, yeah, I think it was called The Dinner Party. Look it up, um, watch it in VR. It is absolutely stunning. And it shows what VR can do as a storytelling medium that other media can't. So, that's as much as I'm going to say on it.
0: The Dinner Party. I'm going to check that out yeah. because, uh, funny enough, my favourite gadget of the year was the Samsung Gear VR huh. as well, all right? Uh, so, the Dinner Party, okay? I'm just right, making a note of that, all sorted. Now, you'll never guess what my uh, biggest disappointment of the year was. Okay, fire away. The Samsung Gear VR. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite gadget of the year is the biggest letdown. Because it is a fantastic piece of kit and by the time you've played with it for 10 hours, what else is there left to do? Yeah. yeah. And that that is my kind of, uh, my thing. I I love VR in that uh, the education capabilities of it. Uh, One of the people that we've been speaking to over the years was kind of saying, um, uh, there was two examples. Uh, There was one like, you know, Doctor's who can actually kind of literally get in and see close up what's what's happening in a, in a VR operation or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's a great training yep. for them. And then somebody else is saying that they use VR uh, with drones uh, to be able to inspect pylons. Instead of having to send a man up a pylon and turn off the electric, they just fly a drone nearby and, and they expect, mm-hmm. inspect things that way. Um, on the consumer end of things, it seems to be like there's lots of great ideas out there. But meh, it doesn't yeah. have that. I must have a item thing just yet. Do you
1: know what I mean? We're we're still in the proof of concept space yes.
0: uh stage. Very much so, very much so. So yes, it was my absolutely my favorite gadget, uh but yet my uh, uh, biggest disappointment at the same time. But let's get on to the end of the show, which is the mm-hmm. highlight. Your highlight of twenty eighteen. What do you reckon?
1: Oh boy, uh, gosh, you have you have a highlight, don't you? Mm-hmm. You go first. Well, my highlight, with you.
0: my highlight I used this year, but it was actually launched in 2017, but I only got around to using it this year. And my tech highlight this year was renewing my passport online. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It was so, well, kind of simple. Uh, I took the photo, but for some reason, the, the, the website didn't like the background, Um or the colour of the wall that uh, I I took it against so I just had to take it again against another wall and then it just worked it zoomed up blah 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 and then literally uh, I think four days I think did I do it on a Friday and the passport arrived on Tuesday it was like super quick super quick. quick yeah. Super quick. Um, and I think maybe, I think since it's launched, there's like 200, 250,000 people, something like that, uh, have renewed their passport that way. Um, so I would absolutely, forget this Express poster, forget having to go in, uh, do it online. Though so it works best if you are just renewing your passport, if there's no change of name or anything significant like that. It's like, yeah, mm. just 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 update me. It, it yeah. works brilliant. You know, if you want to, if you've been married or you want to change your name or do anything like that, I think you still have to go and see them or, or take one of the old snail, snail ways of doing it. How about you? What was your highlight of uh, 2018? Yeah,
1: OK. This is a show that we did back in June. You might remember uh, Professor Dimna Casey from NUIG and she was working with robots in dementia care. Mm. if you remember that show. And I think this is a great um, indicator where healthcare is going in the future. And initially, when you think about how you're going to end up interacting with robots in, in the in the future, there's sort of this uncanny valley idea where it just feels wrong that you have something that looks like a person, but, you know, you just don't feel it. You know, it's it's quite an unnerving experience mm. because you recognise it as being, you know, an impression of a human rather than being human. However... What they're finding is that uh, people are interacting robots uh, as if they were people, that's fine, uh, and they, they sort of miss the robot when they're not around. And some of the functions that the robots had were absolutely fantastic, like the ability to show pictures or music or anything like that and of course the robot itself became a conversation piece um and if you you're somebody with you know no long-term memory or you know and you've mm. got this thing in front of you that you know all, all of a sudden you can talk to somebody about and it's you know it's it's uh, of a piece and it's not frustrating to mention or anything like that so uh i think yeah the um super mario project uh is, is absolutely fantastic. And we're looking forward to seeing more of uh, robots in healthcare because I think that's a great space for applying them.
0: Mm. Well, look at, looking beyond next year, I was, I was just having a, a, a think, as I was out for a walk the other day uh, and I was thinking about the voice assistants and uh, kind of all this artificial uh, intelligence and stuff like that. And in my head, I kind of see it being introduced through, you know, Google Home or Alexa and stuff like that. It's just like it's a little voice in a speaker. I think mm. the next stage then will be they'll develop some kind of a little thing on video where it'll be you know a face uh, that you can choose and then the face will be able to talk to you so it's more like a a human interaction and then that could well develop into um, robotic (laughs) and then that could well develop into human-like robotics and we're into you know serious science fiction movie territory it's
1: already happening Dusty it's it's starting to happen it's starting to
0: happen isn't it amazing I can't
1: wait to be an old man (laughs) (laughs) back in my day (laughs) We're, we're doing that already Dusty Listen, uh,
0: let's wrap it up there for uh, this week and indeed for 2018. Uh, thank you so much for your company throughout the year. We of course will be uh, with you all throughout 2019, keeping you bang up to date with all things tech uh, throughout Ireland with hourly updates and daily newsletters and more as always at the website techcentral.ie and of course each week online or Fridays with DAB Digital Radio and RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself Justy Rhodes and from Nile Kitson, thanks so much for listening. Have a great Christmas. Have a fantastic New Year, and we talk to you in January. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at TechCentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.